Section three of the Rover, Volume One, Number Four. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kate Fallis. The Rover, Volume One, Number Four. Edited by Seba Smith and Lawrence Labry. Section three the soul cages by crofton croker the mysterious depths and wild and wondrous forms of ocean old jack doherty lived on the coast of the county clare jack was a fisherman as his father and grandfather before him had been like them too he lived all alone but for the wife and just in the same spot people used to wonder why the doherty family were so fond of that wild situation so far away from all humankind and in the midst of huge shattered rocks with nothing but the wide ocean to look upon but they had their own good reasons for it the place was just the only spot on that part of the coast where anybody could well live there was a neat little creek where a boat might lie as snug as a puffin in her nest and out from this creek a ledge of sunken rocks ran into the sea now when the atlantic according to custom was raging with a storm and a good westerly wind was blowing strong on the coast many a richly laden ship went to pieces on these rocks and then the fine bales of cotton and tobacco and such like things and the pipes of wine and the puncheons of rum and the casks of brandy and the kegs of hollands that used to come ashore dunbeg bay was just like a little estate to the doherty's not but that they were kind and humane to a distressed sailor if ever one had the good luck to get to land and many a time indeed did jack put out in his little cora which though not quite equal to honest andrew hennessy's canvas lifeboat would abreast the billows like any gannet to lend a hand toward bringing off the crew from the wreck but when the ship had gone to pieces and the crew were all lost who would blame jack for picking up all he could find and who is the worst of it said he for as to the king god bless him everybody knows he's rich enough already without getting what's floating in the sea jack though such a hermit was a good-natured jolly fellow no other sure could ever have coaxed biddy mahoney to quit her father's snug and warm house in the middle of the town of ennis and to go so many miles off to live among the rocks with the seals and the seagulls for next-door neighbors but biddy knew that jack was the man for a woman who wished to be comfortable and happy for to say nothing of the fish jack had the supplying of half the gentlemen's houses with godsends that came into the bay and she was right in her choice for no woman ate drank or slept better or made a prouder appearance at chapel on sundays than mrs doherty many a strange sight it may well be supposed did jack see and many a strange sound did he hear but nothing daunted him so far was he from being afraid of marrows or such beings that the very first wish of his heart was to fairly meet with one jack had heard that they were mighty like christians and that luck had always come out of an acquaintance with them 
never therefore did he dimly discern the marrows moving along the face of the waters in their robes of mist but he made direct for them and many a scolding did biddy in her own quiet way bestow upon jack for spending his whole day out at sea and bringing home no fish little did poor biddy know the fish jack was after it was rather annoying to jack that though living in a place where the marrows were as plenty as lobsters he never could get a right view of one what vexed him more was that both his father and grandfather had often and often seen them and he even remembered hearing when a child how his grandfather who was the first of the family that had settled down at the creek had been so intimate with the marrow that only for fear of vexing the priest he would have had him stand for one of his children this however jack did not well know how to believe fortune at length began to think that it was only right that jack should know as much as his father and grandfather did accordingly one day when he had strolled a little farther than usual along the coast to the northward just as he turned a point he saw something like to nothing he had ever seen before perched upon a rock at a little distance out to sea it looked green in the body as well as he could discern at that distance and he would have sworn only the thing was impossible that it had a cocked hat in its hand jack stood for a good half hour straining his eyes and wondering at it and all the time the thing did not stir hand or foot at last jack's patience was quite worn out and he gave a loud whistle and a hail when the marrow for such it was started up put the cocked hat on its head and dived down head foremost from the rock jack's curiosity was now excited and he constantly directed his steps toward the point still he could never get a glimpse of the sea gentleman with the cocked hat and with thinking and thinking about the matter he began at last to fancy he had been only dreaming one very rough day however when the sea was running mountains high jack doherty determined to give a look at the marrow's rock for he had always chosen a fine day before and then he saw the strange thing cutting capers upon the top of the rock and then diving down and then coming up and then diving down again jack had now only to choose his time that is a good blowing day and he might see the man of the sea as often as he pleased all this however did not satisfy him much will have more he wished now to get acquainted with the marrow and even in this he succeeded one tremendous blustering day before he got to the point whence he had a view of the marrow's rock the storm came on so furiously that jack was obliged to take shelter in one of the caves which are so numerous along the coast and there to his astonishment he saw sitting before him a thing with green hair long green teeth a red nose and pig's eyes it had a fish's tail legs with scales on them and short arms like fins it wore no clothes but had the cocked hat under its arm and seemed engaged thinking very seriously about something jack with all his courage was a little daunted but now or never thought he 
so he went boldly to the cogitating fisherman took off his hat and made his best bow your servant sir said jack your servant kindly jack doherty answered the marrow to be sure then how well your honour knows my name said jack is it i not know your name jack doherty why man i knew your grandfather long before he was married to judy regan your grandmother ah oh, jack jack i was fond of that grandfather of yours he was a mighty worthy man in his time i never met his match above or below before or since for sucking in a shell full of brandy i hope my boy said the old fellow with a merry twinkle in his little eyes i hope you're his own grandson never fear me for that said jack if my mother had only reared me on brandy tis myself that would be a sucking infant to this hour well i like to hear you talk so manly you and i must be better acquainted if it were only for your grandfather's sake but jack that father of yours was not the thing he had no head at all i'm sure said jack since your honour lives down under the water you must be obliged to drink a power to keep any heat in you in such a cruel damp cold place well i've often heard of christians drinking like fishes and might i be so bold as to ask where you get the spirits where do you get them yourself jack said the marrow twitching his red nose between his forefinger and thumb hubbubaboo cries jack now i see how it is but i suppose sir your honour has got a fine dry cellar below to keep them in let me alone for the cellar said the marrow with a knowing wink of his left eye i'm sure continued jack it must be mighty well worth the looking at you may say that jack said the marrow and if you meet me here next monday just at this time of the day we will have a little more talk with one another about the matter jack and the marrow parted the best friends in the world on monday they met and jack was not a little surprised to see that the marrow had two cocked hats with him one under each arm might i take the liberty to ask sir said jack why your honour has brought the two hats with you to-day you would not sure be going to give me one of them to keep for the curiosity of the thing oh no jack said he i don't get my hat so easily to part with them that way but i want you to come down and dine with me and i brought you the hat to dive with lord bless and preserve us cried jack in amazement would you want me to go down to the bottom of the salt sea ocean sure i'd be smothered and choked up with the water to say nothing of being drowned and what would poor biddy do for me and what would she say and what matter what she says you pinking who cares for biddy squalling it's long before your grandfather would have talked in that way many's the time he stuck that same hat on his head and dived down boldly after me and many's the snug bit of dinner and good show full of brandy he and i have had together below under the water is it really sir and no joke said jack why then sorrow from me for ever and a day after 
if i'll be a bit worse man nor my grandfather was here goes but play me fair now here's neck or nothing cried jack that's your grandfather all over said the old fellow so come along then and do as i do they both left the cave walked into the sea and then swam a piece until they got to the rock the marrow climbed to the top of it and jack followed him on the far side it was as straight as the wall of a house and the sea beneath looked so deep that jack was almost cowed now do you see jack said the marrow just put this hat on your head and mind to keep your eyes wide open take hold of my tail and follow after me and you'll see what you'll see in he dashed and in dashed jack after him boldly they went and they went and jack thought they'd never stop going many a time did he wish himself sitting at home by the fireside with biddy yet where was the use of wishing now when he was so many miles as he thought below the waves of the atlantic still he held hard by the marrow's tail slippery as it was and at last to jack's great surprise they got out of the water and he actually found himself on dry land at the bottom of the sea they landed just in front of a nice house that was slated very neatly with oyster shells and the marrow turning about to jack welcomed him down jack could hardly speak what with wonder and what with being out of breath with travelling so fast through the water he looked about him and could see no living things barring crabs and lobsters of which there were plenty walking leisurely about on the sand overhead was the sea like a sky and the fishes like birds swimming about in it why don't you speak man said the marrow i dare say you had no notion that i had such a snug little concern here as this are you smothered or choked or drowned or are you fretting after biddy eh oh not myself indeed said jack showing his teeth with a good-humoured grin but who in the world would have ever thought of seeing such a thing well come along and let's see what they've got for us to eat jack really was hungry and it gave him no small pleasure to perceive a fine column of smoke rising from the chimney announcing what was going on within into the house he followed the marrow and there he saw a good kitchen right well provided with everything there was a noble dresser and plenty of pots and pans with two young marrows cooking his host then led him into the room which was furnished shabbily enough not a table or a chair was there in it nothing but planks and logs of wood to sit on and eat off there was however a good fire blazing on the hearth a comfortable sight to jack come now and i'll show you where i keep you know what said the marrow with a sly look and opening a little door he led jack into a fine long cellar well filled with pipes and kegs and hogsheads and barrels what do you say to that jack doherty eh maybe a body can't live snug under the water never doubt of that said jack with a convincing smack of his underlip that he really thought what he said 
they went back to the room and found dinner laid there was not tablecloth to be sure but what matter it was not always jack had one at home the dinner would have been no discredit to the first house of the country on a fast day the choicest of fish and no wonder was there turbos and soles and oysters and twenty other kinds were on the planks at once and plenty of the best of foreign spirits the wines the old fellow said were too cold for his stomach jack ate and drank till he could eat no more then taking up a shell of brandy here's to your honour's good health sir said he though begging your pardon it's mighty odd that as long as we've been acquainted i don't know your name yet that's true jack replied he i never thought of it before but better late than ever my name's kumara and a mighty decent name it is cried jack taking another shellful here's to your good health kumara and may you live these fifty years to come fifty years repeated kumara i'm obliged to you indeed if you had said five hundred it would have been something worth the wishing by the laws sir cried jack you's lived to a powerful great age here under water you knew my grandfather and he's dead and gone better than these sixty years i'm sure it must be a mighty healthy place to live in no doubt of it but come jack keep the liquor stirring shell after shell did they empty and to jack's exceeding surprise he found the drink never got into his head owing i suppose to the sea being over them which kept their noddles cool old kumara got exceedingly comfortable and sung several songs but jack if his life had depended on it never could remember more than rum fum boodle boo ripple dipple nitty dob dum doo doodle coo raffle taffle chitty bob it was the course to one of them and to say the truth nobody that i know has ever been able to pick any particular meaning out of it but that to be sure is the case with many a song nowadays at length said he to jack now my dear boy if you follow me i'll show you my curiosities he opened a little door and led jack into a large room where jack saw a great many odds and ends that kumara had picked up at one time or another what chiefly took his attention however were things like lobster pots ranged on the ground along the wall well jack how do you like my curiosities said old coo upon my smokin sir said jack they're mighty well worth a lookin at but might i make so bold as to ask what these things like lobster pots are oh the soul cages is it the what sir these things here that i keep the souls in Arrah, what souls sir said jack in amazement sure the fish have not got souls in them oh no replied coo quite coolly that they have not but these are the souls of drowned sailors the lord preserve us from all harm muttered jack how in the world did you get them easily enough i've only when i see a good storm coming on to set a couple of dozen of these and then when the sailors are drowned and the souls get out of them under the water the poor things are almost perished to death not being used to the cold 
so they make into my pots for shelter and then i have them snug and fetch them home and keep them here dry and warm and is it not well for them poor souls to get into such good quarters jack was so thunderstruck he did not know what to say so he said nothing they went back into the dining-room and had a little more brandy which was excellent and then as jack knew that it must be getting late and as biddy might be uneasy he stood up and said he thought it was time for him to be on the road just as you like jack said coo but take a duke and duras before you go you've got a cold journey before you jack knew better manners than to refuse the parting glass i wonder said he will i be able to make my way home what should ail you said coo when i'll show you the way out they went before the house and kumara took one of the cocked hats and put it upon jack's head the wrong way and then lifted him up on his shoulder that he might launch him up into the water now says he giving him a heave you'll come up just in the same spot you come down in and jack mind and throw me back the hat he canted jack off his shoulder and up he shot like a bubble whirr whirr whiz away he went up through the water till he came to the very rock he had jumped off where he found a landing place and then in he threw the hat which sunk like a stone the sun was just going down in the beautiful sky of a calm summer's evening Piscor was seen dimly twinkling in the cloudless heaven a solitary star and the waves of the atlantic flashed in a golden flood of light so jack perceiving it was late set off home but when he got there not a word did he say to biddy of where he had spent his day the state of the poor souls cooped up in the lobster pots gave jack a great deal of trouble and how to release them cost him a great deal of thought he at first had a mind to speak to the priest about the matter but what could the priest do and what did coo care for the priest besides coo was a good sort of an old fellow and did not think he was doing any harm jack had a regard for him too and it also might not be too much to his own credit if it were known that he used to go dine with marrows on the whole he thought his best plan would be to ask coo to dinner and to make him drunk if he was able and then to take the hat and go down and turn up the pots it was first of all necessary however to get biddy out of the way for jack was prudent enough as she was a woman to wish to keep the thing secret from her accordingly jack grew mighty pious all of a sudden and said to biddy that he thought it would be for the good of their souls if she was to go and take her rounds at st john's well near ennis biddy thought so too and accordingly off she set one fine morning at day dawn giving jack a chance to have an eye to the place the coast being clear away went jack to the rock to give the appointed signal to kamara which was throwing a big stone into the water jack threw and up sprang coo good morrow jack said he what do you want with me just nothing at all to speak about sir returned jack only to come and take a bit of dinner with me if i might make so free as to ask you 
and sure I'm now after doing so. It's quite agreeable, Jack, I assure you. What's your hour? Any time that's most convenient to you, sir. Say one o'clock, that you may go home, if you wish, with the daylight. I'll be with you, said Coo. Never fear me. Jack went home and dressed a noble fish dinner and got out plenty of his best foreign spirits, enough for that matter to make twenty men drunk. Just to the minute came Coo, with his cocked hat under his arm. Dinner was ready. They sat down and ate and drank away manfully, Jack thinking of the poor souls below in the pots, plied old Coo well with brandy and encouraged him to sing, hoping to put him under the table. But poor Jack forgot that he had not the sea over his own head to keep it cool. The brandy got into it and did his business for him, and Coo reeled off home, leaving his entertainer as dumb as a haddock on a good Friday. Jack never woke till the next morning, and then he was in a sad way. "'Tis no use for me thinking to make that old rippery drunk," said Jack. "'And how in this world can I help the poor souls out of the lobster pots?' After ruminating nearly the whole day, a thought struck him. "'I have it,' says he, slapping his knee. "'I'll be sworn that Coo never saw a drop of poteen as old as he is, and that's the thing to settle him.' Oh, then is not it well that Biddy will not be home these two days yet. I can have another twist at him. Jack asked Koo again, and Koo laughed at him for having no better head, telling him he'd never come up to his grandfather. Well, but try me again, said Jack, and I'll be bailed to drink you drunk and sober and drunk again. Anything is my power, said Koo, to oblige you. At this dinner, Jack took care to have his own liquor well watered and to give the strongest brandy he had to Coo. At last, says he, Pray, sir, did you ever drink any poteen? Any real Mountain Dew? No, says Coo. What's that, and where does it come from? Oh, that's a secret, said Jack. But it's the right stuff, and never believe me again. If tis not fifty times as good as brandy or rum either, Biddy's brother just sent me a present of a little drop in exchange for some brandy, and as you're an old friend of the family, I kept it to treat you with. Well, let's see what sort of thing it is, said Kumara. The poteen was the right sort. It was first rate and had the real smack upon it. Ku was delighted. He drank and he sung rum bum biddle boo over and over again and he laughed and he danced till he fell on the floor fast asleep then jack who had taken good care to keep himself sober snapped up the cocked hat ran off to the rock leaped in and soon arrived at coo's habitation all was still as a churchyard at midnight not a marrow old or young was there in he went and turned up the pots, but nothing did he see, only he heard a sort of a little whistle or chirp as he raised each of them. At this he was surprised, till he recollected what the priest had often said, that nobody living could see the soul, 
no more than they could see the wind or the air having now done all that he could do for them he set the pots as they were before and sent a blessing after the poor souls to speed them on their journey wherever they were going jack now began to think of returning he put the hat on as was right the wrong way but when he got out he found the water so high over his head that he had no hopes of ever getting up into it now that he had not old kumara to give him a lift he walked about looking for a ladder but not one could he find and not a rock was there in sight at last he saw a spot where the sea hung rather lower than anywhere else so he resolved to try there just as he came to it a big cod happened to put down his tail jack made a jump and caught hold of it and the cod all in amazement gave a bounce and pulled jack up the minute the hat touched the water pop away jack was whisked and up he shot like a cork dragging the poor cod that he forgot to let go up with him tail foremost he got to the rock in no time and without a moment's delay hurried home rejoicing in the good deed he had done but meanwhile there was fine work at home for our friend jack had hardly left the house on his soul-freeing expedition when back came biddy from her soul-saving one to the well when she entered the house and saw the things lying thrynahella on the table before her here's a pretty job said she that blackguard of mine what ill luck i had ever to marry him he has picked up some vagabond or other while i was praying for the good of his soul and they've been drinking all the poteen that my own brother gave him and all the spirits to be sure that he was to have sold to his honour then hearing an outlandish kind of grunt she looked down and saw kumara lying under the table the blessed virgin help me shouted she if he has not made a real beast of himself well well i've often heard of a man making a beast of himself with drink oh ho no ho jack honey what will i do with you or what will i do without you how can any decent woman think of living with a beast with such lamentations biddy rushed out of the house and was going she knew not where when she heard the well-known voice of jack singing a merry tune glad enough was biddy to find him safe and sound and not turned into a thing that was neither fish nor flesh jack was obliged to tell her all and biddy though she had half a mind to be angry with him for not telling her before owned that he had done a great service to the poor souls back they both went most lovingly to the house and jack wakened up kumara and perceiving the old fellow to be rather dull he bid him not be cast down for twas many a good man's case and said it all came of his not being used to the poteen and recommended him by way of cure to swallow a hair of the dog that bit him ku however seemed to think he had had quite enough he got up quite out of sorts and without having the manners to say one word in the way of civility he sneaked off to cool himself by a jaunt through the salt water 
kumara never missed the souls he and jack continued the best friends in the world and no one perhaps ever equalled jack at freeing souls from purgatory for he contrived fifty excuses for getting into the house below the sea unknown to the old fellow and then turning up the pots and letting out the souls it vexed him to be sure that he could never see them but as he knew the thing to be impossible he was obliged to be satisfied their intercourse continued for several years however one morning on jack's throwing in a stone as usual he got no answer he flung another and another still there was no reply he went away and returned the following morning but it was to no purpose as he was without the hat he could not go down to see what had become of old Koo, but his belief was that the old man or the old fish or whatever he was had either died or had moved away from that part of the country end of section three